What's up, guys? R-O-T-K-P-H-X. Jordan here, hanging out with Malisha, homie right here. Malisha, what you got for us today? All right, so today we're going to talk about how I was able to put the pieces of my life back together after my son died. Wow. Let's get it. What is up, guys? R-L-T-K-P-H-X podcast, Real Talk Phoenix, episode 22. 22. Super excited to be here. The double deuce. Loading up on the guests. <laughs> Got one of my homies here. We've been friends for a minute. She's pretty cool. She's doing some pretty awesome stuff in Phoenix, uh, working with kids. And she's going to get into that a ton and share with us. But wanted to welcome onto the show, Melisha. Welcome. Thank you. What's yes, up, y'all? How y'all doing? Glad to have you here. Thanks, thanks. Appreciate you guys having me. Um, so where do we start, brothers? Where do we start? Yeah. She has we a story. I heard you. This is how this yeah. works. In the beginning. In the beginning. Whoa. It's a podcast, <laughs> and we're interviewing you. So we're gonna start with you. Yeah. So we want to know, just for our viewers, for our audience, uh, tell us your story, man. Where are you from? What was your life like growing up? We'll get into like, some what, of the other cool stuff you're doing later. But. What brought you to this point? All right. So, yeah, I was born in Miami, Florida. Hey. Uh, I didn't know that. You didn't? No, you never told me that. So are you a Dolphins fan? I'm pretty fan? sure I did. I am a Dolphins fan. Loyal. That, that's a problem. That's not a problem. Because that means I'm real. Second podcast in a row. That means she, she said, we go that means I'm real. Right. I mean, who sticks with a losing team unless you're a real Ooh. fan? That's true. I right? thought you were slightly Cowboys right? for a we're second. Real fans. <laughs> we're real fans. Okay. Anyways, so you're born in Miami. Yes, born That's in okay. Miami. Give you. Yeah. Yes. Um, and <laughs> my father was in the military, so I was okay. born in Miami. Shortly after, we moved to Guam. I was mm. in Guam for a while, moved back to Miami. Um, wow. And then uh, moved. How old were you when all this was happening? A baby up till five. We okay. moved from Miami the second time when I was five. We moved to Okinawa, Japan, lived there for a few years. Wow. Um, so you done travel the world, girl. You done traveled the world, <laughs> the world right? Got, jet setter. Right. I got it. I got it. I was, yeah, I got my my, uh, my wings early. Mm. Yeah. So when we got to, uh, after we left Japan, we moved to Southern California, Mojave Desert, mm. Edwards Air Force Base. And then my father retired from the Air Force. Um, we moved to Chandler, Arizona. How old were you when you retired? Uh, I was 12. Wow. So yeah. for the first 12 years of your life, basically, you're going from place to place. Every three years new or people. so. Mm -hmm. Was that tough, like not being able to build relationships with a group of friends and whatnot? Or did you have that? It sucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as a kid, because you're like, man, I got to go. I think if, by the time I got to first grade, I had already gone to five different schools. Whoa. So um, that was hard, right? So as a kid, I learned really quickly, right, how to make friends fast and also how to cut them off fast, mm, you know? So that, that can be a blessing and a curse all in the same time, yeah, right? Sure. So um, you, um, but what I did learn from the military life is community. Mm. And, and and that always stuck with me even now. So what do you mean by that? So in the military, um, you gotta look out for each other, right? Because you know, you're away from your family, your extended family. There's no grandparents, there's no aunties, there's no uncles, mm. you know. Um So this is literal other military families? Other military families become your family. Is that how you wow. guys lived, like in community with other military um, families? We had our homes, but we took, you know, my parents' friends took care of us, my parents took care of their kids, you know. Okay. When my parents and their parents would get together and party, the kids were at the house next door, you know. Mm. Is that um, how the living arrangement works on like a military base? On a military base, um, you usually so when we first got there we lived in what they call temporary housing, which is mm. most like like a hotel. Okay. Um, but then you get base housing if, if base housing is available. And mm. with that, base housing can look almost like a duplex sometimes, like we gotcha. have connected houses, or you can have separated houses. And of course, the rank, the higher in rank, the better your, right. the houses are, the bigger. <laughs> <laughs> um, that makes a little sense. <laughs> yeah. So the higher in rank, the houses become more, you know, mm. single family homes and gotcha. you're living more so in that regard but wow so it really is a community among all the people who live on the base right and growing up yeah. overseas it was a little bit different because there i was just american hmm. right and then when i got to the states 12 right identity formation starts mm -hmm. happening at that mm -hmm. time um and then i come here thinking i'm an american right and <laughs> and, and, and it's all good and 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 but then i get here and you know i'm told that i'm black Right, mm -hmm. and so then I have wow, to that's crazy. work out what so that like, is. So, like, literally, until you were twelve, 
you'd never had anybody say to you, you're black. No. Wow. Not in the context to where it mattered. So you got you slapped I mean? in the face by racism when you came to America. Yeah, or, and colorism and other things, right? Wow. So all these people who talk noise about racism is dead, listen up right now. <laughs> most certainly not dead. Well, it wasn't just white people, right, who were mm. telling me this. It was black people, right? Wow. And, and like you weren't black but, enough? But then I wasn't what? black enough. So Dang. I had to deal with that dichotomy, right? So... But I would argue, right? I was 12 and I would get a crayon. I would get a black crayon and I would get a brown crayon. And I'd say, see, I'm brown, right? Because I'm thinking they're talking about just my skin color, right? Mm. Um, not, yeah, not a whole culture. Not a culture, right? Because I was raised what they call like missionary kids or military kids. It's a third third culture kids. Okay. That's wow. really what Explain we're called. So it means that you're not raised that. in the same culture that your parents were raised in, right? And so you have a different culture altogether so um, that's like a sociological term that people yes. use in the mm -hmm. field third yeah. culture third culture wow. Mm -hmm. wow and so with that it's you don't have you don't identify with how your parents were raised it's like you you know if you're mm -hmm. on missions and you're in thailand right you grow up in thailand you all think you're thai i used to tell people i was guamanian my mom be like why do you say that i'm like well we were in guam when i was a baby she's like yeah but you weren't born there you're not guamanian Right, so I just that's uh, the culture. You that's feel the culture, most connected I, with. right? And that and that's interesting, right? And so, um, or you know, growing up in Okinawa and spending time there, so I'm I'm surrounded by multiple cultures, right? And mm -hmm. and learning how to appreciate multiple cultures for what wow. they are, and and not uplifting my own, right? Because um, you could tell people were not really happy with Americans for the most part overseas, right. and so. Wow there was a desire to get to know these other cultures and, and, and what they valued and, and didn't value and, and how it was different from being American, right? And so, but when you're on a military base, you're all American, right? Your parents are all in the same, you know, armed force, you know, and same uniform, right? There's no identity outside of the U.S. military when you're on a military base. You know, um, four o'clock, flag get raised, everybody stops and salutes the flag. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, that was the culture, right? We were just Americans. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and my, my families, my parents always had friends that were uh, white or mm -hmm. other cultures. And so I just didn't know the difference. Right? How strong has American that. patriotism been? <clears throat> is that something you feel like you'll always have or a perspective on that maybe is different from other people? No, because I won't say, I won't, I don't think it made me more patriotic. Mm. Right. It made me more aware. Mm. Um, like a sense of burden to represent the country well? Th no, in the guard in the regard that it made me more aware that there are multiple cultures, right? Mm. And okay. and so even within the American culture you have our subcultures, yeah. right? We we label them as white, black, Hispanic or whatever, right? And so geographically that can look different right so black people in new york behave differently from black people in miami right, right it's true. so but when it comes down to it there's an american worldview that we have of ourselves mm. that makes us a bit more pompous what would right? you think or, the reason for that is just because they haven't seen other world views yes or? there's there's an ignorance mm. that comes with being american that other cultures completely do not appreciate so I remember mm -hmm. when I first moved back to the States and, you know, people were like, oh, where'd you come from? And I said, oh, well, we were in Japan. And they'd be like, do you speak Chinese? And I'm like, why would I? <laughs> like, you know, like, and you speak a, Japanese? Right. But adults and wow. children would ask this question. And Same I'd be thing. like, right. And so I just understood, like, how the true. rest of the world sees Americans. So I was more aware mm -hmm. of that. I didn't necessarily make me more patriotic. You know, I don't have a problem being American. Um, I'm grateful for this country in, in many ways, but I understand its history. I yes. understand why the world views America the way the world views America. I bet. And um, But the ignorance that we have as Americans when it comes to the rest of the world, right? And, and the reality that. is your dad joined the military, you didn't. Right. Now, you were raised in that family, and mm -hmm. so you, you know, had to pick up on some of the things that maybe your family endorsed or believed in, but... Mm -hmm. It's interesting to see how you had that experience, you've appreciated it, but you almost seem to have clipped off things. You had the ability to clip, like you said, mm -hmm. I cut people, I took people in and I cut people off. Yeah. But I would say it sounds like the same way just as far as like, you didn't get brainwashed. You no, know? yeah. Like you're a strong woman. Well. I, <laughs> in that regard, to be raised by a military parent, to go all over the place and still maintain your own sense of identity and have your own views. And kudos to you. Yeah, and, and, and that's a blessing, you know, that I say that I was born with. Because even looking around in my own family, being able to look at different members of my family and be like, yeah, I'm not good with that. Mm. You know what I mean? Or um, being able to just look at 
anyone, any person and, and see like, okay, they could have this level of influence on me, but I choose to not let them influence me in this way, you know? Um, and so I, it's not, it's definitely a gift that I was, I was sure. given. Um, and I recognize that, um, because I see how many young people don't do that. Right. It's Absolutely. they're, they're tossed by what people are doing. And I went through a phase, you know, especially like I said, when I came back to the States, trying to figure out what being black was, mm -hmm. right? So I braided my hair, I, <laughs> you know, wore extensions, I wore, mm -hmm. you know, baggy clothes. I, you know, tried to wow. identify with mm -hmm. this, this culture that was being put before me that I had not really engaged with, wow. you know, and dealing wow. with family members, you know, who Just were- Just trying to fit in. Right, trying to fit in, trying to figure out what this was, but it was hard because I was in honors classes and there weren't a lot of brown skinned kids in honors classes mm -hmm. in Chandler, Arizona at that yeah, time, yeah. right? In 1995. And so who I'm engaging with on a regular basis weren't brown skinned kids, right? And so when it came to me actually having those interactions, it was, you know, you think you're better or you're not black enough or mm -hmm. even from family members, our aunties and stuff would call from Florida and be like, y'all sound white, you know? And it's like, Dang. What does that mean, you know? And so mm -hmm. just dealing with that. So what does it mean to be black in America, right? And then, yeah, so I mean, that- I think we're still answering that question. Yeah, well, and and I think you would get a different answer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You could line up 10 black people who identify as black and they would all give you a different answer of what it means to be black, mm -hmm. right? And so there's this culture, and that's when I figured out it's a mindset. Mm -hmm. It's a culture, right? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a belief system. Right, and what at the end of the day, makes people keep a mindset and not change. Like, because obviously you <clears> saw that there was a mindset, and you were like, "Hold up, I'm not going to accept this. I'm going to change it." But I'm sure in your experience, you've met people who weren't able to change or just kept that mindset. Like, what would you say were the things that you noticed mm -hmm. about people who wouldn't change? I think it's familiarity, right? You get comfortable with what whatever identity or label you've been given. And then it's hard to see yourself any other way, right? Because mm -hmm. it's fear of the unknown. It's like, well, what am I if I'm not black? Or what mm -hmm. am I if I'm not white? Mm -hmm. But when I started doing some some soul searching, I realized that, you know, black and white were labels that are mm -hmm. fairly recent being used in human history, right? Mm -hmm. These yep. are categories that were not used. People were identified by nation, tribe, and language, right? right? Before then. And then all of a sudden you get this black-white label and why for only those who are of European descent or African descent do we have these labels, right? We don't colorize right. other people, other ethnic groups or other. Right. So I just started like just mm. researching that, like where did this come from? Slavery. When Right, yeah. so when did black people become black, right, mm -hmm. and why? Mm -hmm. Because before then you had tribes in Africa, right, if we're gonna talk about how, right, uh, most say that black people came to America, right? It's through the slave trade. And so, but from there, they weren't identified as black, mm -hmm. right? They had their tribes. They had, you would identify by who your father was. You mm -hmm. were identified by who your, your tribe was and then your nation, right? Mm -hmm. And even how we, we overgeneralize Africa, right? Africa is a continent. Yep. Yeah, right. <laughs> we just talk about it like it's a country, right? Right, it's not a country, right? So you can't even call us African-Americans because there are separate countries and continent. tribes right within point, Africa. For the sake of our audience, could you kind of explain why that distinction is so offensive? I know that's it's, kind of it's, a complicated yeah, it's, question. It's not but... necessarily offensive. It's just wrong. Right. Because mm. so you, you're okay with being wrong. wrong right. That's saying. my saying. Like that politically correct. It's not politically correct. I mean, it's just wrong. Mm -hmm. And and so because what you've done is you've stripped these individual cultures of their identity, mm -hmm. right, and their own history by grouping them together as all Africans, right? Um, I met a dude the other day from South Africa. He looks nothing like what you would imagine an African looking like, right? Because mm -hmm. that's how we, that's even how we publicize and how we market Africa, right? That they all are this one and they're not. Right? right. That's why they're warring within Africa, right? right. Um, and <laughs> so, right. right, and so. Mm -hmm. Just how we just, just yeah, and it's it's an intentional right ploy right to mm -hmm. to divide and conquer. So right? it's just intentional ignorance is it's, why you're saying it's so right. offensive. And it is because at the end of the day, once you know the history, then you can start to d discern the truth behind mm -hmm. it all. Black and white are labels that have been put on us as people, one mm -hmm. for oppression's sake. Yeah, absolutely. Right, that there's a better and there's a, a lesser, and and that. That, that's how we then begin to relate to one another, even in our conversations, even with those who we love and care for, mm. it comes out because that's a lie that we've all been told, 
you know so well really good not that we meant to talk a lot about of stuff that. there yeah we can we, talk about that for days about that for three hours you see right. why we invited her onto the podcast exactly. now <laughs> so moving back to your story yes. you're back here chandler, chandler arizona mm-hmm. you know, yeah. honest classes all those different types of things all right take us forward to today so for, from there um uh had some adversity i was on um, unfortunately i was raped at, at, at wow. the age of 13. Mm. um and from there, that then became a part of my identity, falsely, mm-hmm. right? How so? Um, well, if I just started... Mind, if you don't mind telling me No, 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 not bit. at all. Uh, I started behaving, you know, um, in a way that was not characteristic of gotcha. me, right? My plan was to be a virgin till I got married. I was mm-hmm. so determined for that to be the case. However, somebody else had other plans, right? Mm-hmm. And so dealing with the consequences of that person's decision right to violate me and then mm-hmm. my family's decision to not support and protect me mm-hmm. um yeah what was that, the message that got sent to you the message that got it sent to me was, was no i was i was shamed i was ostracized within my own family um wow. i was villainized right i was i was even made to seem like i was crazy you know um because it was a family member um and so it just Sorry. created you know another level right that. of yeah identity crisis another layer right to that so um so i started acting out in that way right and 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 you mm-hmm. know you can't tell a man no right because it doesn't matter he's going to take it right mm-hmm. so you might as well act like you're willing even if you're not right mm-hmm. um wow. so wow. promiscuity right being exposed to things that um you know a young person should not be exposed to girl or boy um and subjecting myself to those things. And so with that, I ended up in an abusive relationship at the age of 16. Um, And this relationship was, you know, an on and off relationship. I did end up um, moving away for a while and came back and um, got back into this relationship and now I'm in my 20s. And So you were in it in 16, got out and then got back in it again? Mm -hmm. Um, And that was because in that time, my mom had passed away. Um, and and the, the guy that I was with, you know, when him and I had separated, he continued to reach out to my gotcha. mom and talk to my mom and, and and things like that. And so I had realized that I had never told him she passed away. And then I started mm. to feel guilty, right? Don't trust guilt. Guilt mm. does not lead you to make wow. the right decisions. Hey. Wow. Yeah. Facts. Yeah, don't trust guilt. Um, <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Um, so I felt guilty. So I reached out to him to let him know, you mm. know, that my mom had indeed passed away. And, you know, I just... So from that moment on, right, he by this time he had had a daughter. She's a year and a half. And, you know, this this time around is about two and a half years. So you had a daughter with another? Another person, right, in that time that we had separated. Um, and so, but the relationship became abusive again. Mm-hmm. And um, he was cheating. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up having two more kids in that time that he also got me pregnant. Had a son. Um, who was born too early and he was born alive, but we had to, they wouldn't incubate him. They said he was too small. So Mm -hmm. dealing with that and just a lot of pain. Yeah. Just a lot of pain and relationships. Right. Um, so from the time you were 13 and that happened, mm -hmm. basically into your twenties, you're just dealing with all of this fun. mm -hmm. Yeah. I was 27. Wow. Yeah. When, when I had my son. So, um, then I went through this moment of, (laughs) just uh drinking and just you know just uh i was i lost everything so when i lost my son i lost my job i lost my apartment i lost my car i was sleeping on a friend's couch uh well what happened was that because i was out of the hospital for a while because i was having complications during the pregnancy anyway Mm -hmm. and then so they weren't willing to hold my job Mm -hmm. um and um so then i went into this obviously depression a little bit and mm-hmm. um, didn't want to live, you know, mm-hmm. um, was unwilling to move beyond the hurt and the pain in that in that moment, but not having a job, couldn't pay for my apartment, mm-hmm. right? So I lost that. Uh, so but, how's the relationship with uh, your partner going during this time? During this time, he's, yeah, he's doing not his own thing. We're not even living either. together, right, at this time. Because um, so we had alone. broken up, right? So I should back up just a little bit. So there was a moment where he had choked me out and I had lost consciousness. 
Mm. And I don't know how long to me, it felt like seconds, but to him, he said I was like seizing and he was freaking out. Um, and then I finally came to. So, but to him, was it felt like- from, No, or? this was right before I found out I was even pregnant. So we broke up, like I, that was like, I'm done. But then I found out after we broke up, I was pregnant. So we weren't living together. We weren't mm -hmm. even really together. Um, he would come to the appointments, right? Um, but he was, I found out later that he was back with his, uh, the mother of his daughter and and, mm -hmm. and everything like that. So he was very, you know, just non-supportive throughout that whole time. Um, and even the day where I had to go in and, and have my son, um, he almost didn't want to be there. He did end up showing up, but uh, reluctantly. And so, um, but yeah, so, um, so, but during this time of me sleeping on my friend's couch, drinking and partying, and I ended up getting another job then. But one night I got too drunk and couldn't go to work the next morning. I was still drunk and um, ended up, I was on the bus and the bus took me by where he lived. And so I got off the bus again. Don't trust your drunken self. <laughs> you will not make a good decision while you're drunk. Um, yeah, took advantage of that situation. I went for a postpartum checkup from my son and found out I was pregnant again. Mm. And um, but this this child, um, I ended up having a miscarriage. So, um, wow. and haven't spoken to him since then. So really, um, and so from there, right? Just you know, thank God for friends, right? Mm -hmm. um, thankful that I had friends who did let me sleep on their couch, right? Yep. Cause I was sleeping, <laughs> right. I was sleeping in my car, you know, at one point, then the thank car was God gone and real friends. yeah. And then had Man. a couch to sleep on. Yep. Um, and then, so from there, you know, I've always had a job, so that's never been hard what for me. What was your family? Like, were you just not sharing with them everything? That was oh no. My, so my family has always been, like I said, um, my fr my mom used to tell me your friends are your family. That's and, true, very true. And so, you know, when it came to my family, they were all going through their own things. Again, this is after my mom passed away. Yeah. So our family was just kind of shattered. Just shattered after that. Um, she was the glue that kind of held mm -hmm. us together. Mm -hmm. My older sister moved to the other side of the country, yeah. took my niece and nephew. My brother, you know, had started his own family. My other sister was dealing with her own things. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I didn't have family support. You know, my dad wow. had remarried by this time and he was doing his own thing. And so, yeah, my Man. friends were my family. And so, um, yeah, all of that, which- You know, it just makes me wonder how many, and I, and I hate to interrupt mm -hmm. you, how many people in your situation, you know, I've worked at DCS, and I know that you've had some affiliation with the with the program, the organization. Mm -hmm. Your story happens to so many teenagers. Yeah. You know, and like you said a second ago, just like, thank God for real friends. Because mm -hmm. sometimes, man, family are the people that you feel like I want to depend on you when this happens. Like, yeah. I need you to be there for me. It doesn't matter what has happened before. I need you right here, right now. Right. And where are they? Yeah. But those friends, man. They got you. Thank God for those friends. Yeah. Real rap. Yeah. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. But I saw that even in my own parents' life. I saw how man. it was probably, a, it's a generational thing. I don't know. But, you know, they, they couldn't rely on their siblings or their parents right. either. You know, so mm. it's just kind of something that just transpired into, mm. you know, translated into the our super generation swim as well. mentality, right? Like, right. Well, yeah. they weren't strong enough. I guess they were supposed to. Well, not even that. It's just a. I got my own things going on. Mm -hmm. You know, I was talking to my brother well, the other day, and but they want to call themselves family. Right. Yeah. So you, I. <laughs> Sorry, there I got isn't... my own things going on. <laughs> right. Obviously. Uh, you're my John, brother. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to my brother the other day, and he's eight, about eight years older than me. And so he has no idea most of the stuff that I've been through, right? Because he's eight years older than me, right? He got out, he's been out of the house longer. Yeah, he he's he's doing his own thing, you know? So we were on the phone and I was like, yeah, I think I need to tell you my story. I've never really shared my story with him either. Um, and so with that being said though, what, there is an expectation though that I am there for them. Do you right. see what I'm saying? So, and mm. that's how it's always been. I'm the baby of the family, mm. but they've always leaned on me. You know, when it comes to anything. So, mm. um, my you think parents. You most did. like your mom? 
In some ways, probably. But my parents always had higher expectations of me too, because we're a blended family. So mm -hmm. my my mom's kids are her kids, right? And then my I'm the only child my mom and dad had together. Oh. Okay. So the expectations were different, and my mom actually married my dad, where she didn't marry the other dads. Dang. And then my dad has his two kids from his previous marriage, which is now his current marriage. Um, but mm -hmm. I didn't grow up with them, right? And so there was always. But this, they're your half brothers and sisters. So I have all half brothers and sisters. Wow. Um, so there's just dynamics there. The dynamics there. Don't even think about. Yeah. Right. They have to experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there was always this feeling of loneliness, like I was the only one, you know. Um, wow. And they definitely made me feel that way. Really? You know what I mean? But because I'm the baby, so they could tease you and tell you you're adopted. You know, no one loves oh, you. You know, all those yeah, things, yeah, right? Yeah. Or <laughs> so they definitely, you know. But it, it's, but I understood yeah. as I got older, I was able to see that they were hurting because their fathers weren't mm. in their lives, right? Mm, and so they were lashing out at me. You know, and because my dad, you know, as much as I love him, he just wasn't there. Mm -hmm. He worked all the yeah. time. He always worked night shifts, but then even that, he had two or three jobs, right? Yeah. Plus, the mil military is a fixed income. He was paying child support for two kids in America, mm. right? While, you know, he's also trying to take care of my mom and her kids, right? And so, um, yeah, military on a fixed income is <laughs> not a lot of money, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, wow. he always had two or three jobs, you know, in addition to working you know, in, in the in the military. So um, he just wasn't there, right? He wasn't physically there and he wasn't emotionally there, right? Mm -hmm. So then you got, you know, my siblings who are all hurting and struggling in some way, shape or form um, because of the lack of their father's involvement in their life. And then you got, you know, me <laughs> yeah. and who, you know, who has all the expectations placed on them to perform well right mm -hmm. to get good grades to be the good one and that's what my brother said to me the other day no you're you've always been the good one and I'm like please you know like if you yeah. only knew um mm -hmm. and so yeah so there's just you know wow. leading into you know all of that right so childhood yeah. um teens um uh, making just bad decisions you know mm -hmm. even who I was hanging out with what I was doing um and then after my son though that was kind of a pivotal moment for me when it mm -hmm. came to just okay I can't keep making these same decisions when it comes to relationships with men um mm -hmm. i haven't had a relationship since then it's been almost 10 years wow. <laughs> yeah so um what made you I'm, I'm assuming there was like a watershed moment for you when you were like you know what no more yeah right well like when did you get that resolved you just hit rock bottom and were like you know what I, this is not me yeah i mean it was literally something was anchoring me you know, yeah. and, and something was keeping me from fully giving in. I tried to kill myself a couple of times. Mm. Um, you know, I tried, I even just thought, like, I remember one day, you know, after losing my son, I was driving in the car with his father. And I think it was, and I just said to him, if I open the door, like we were on the freeway, we're on the 10. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if I just open the door and fall out, is that suicide? Like, I'm trying to think about how to end my life wow. without wow. actually being the one to do it do you wow. know what I mean and so those are the kind of thoughts that are going through my mind Wow. and um but still something just wouldn't let me go through with it one you know the times that I did actually attempt to didn't yeah. work um mm. and um so you know just from there it was just more so you know focus on working yeah. you know so you just threw yourself providing yourself your yeah providing for yourself yep went back to school um got my degree and uh, just, yeah, just worked in early childhood education. I was a be okay. also behavioral health. I've always also had two or three jobs. Where'd you um, graduate from? Um, I eventually, I graduated from Arizona Christian University. Nice. With my uh, bachelor's in family. Shout out ACU. What up? <laughs> Firestorm. Um, and so I got my bachelor's in family studies. Nice. Um, and with that, you know, so working with children, though, in early childhood, I realized that, um, I used to only want to work with the kids, right? Mm -hmm. I used to say, you know, forget the parents. The parents are lazy. They're, yeah. you know, they're horrible. They're bad. They don't because of you, this is why right. The kids that's are why here. these kids are like this, you know. And yeah, you know, I'm weird. just gonna work with the kids. And then, you know, I had a revelation that if I'm not helping the parents, I'm not actually helping the kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so from there, my focus shifted from just the kids to the, the whole family. Mm. So from there, you know, I left. What do you feel like really motivated that? Was it just as something like you came to realize it one day 
or was there a story that kind of that you think about makes you go, wow, this is why we need to help the parents or influencers or whatever? Well, I was working in the Head Start program and Head Start, you know, it's its goal is that families would, you know, get out of poverty, right? right. That by helping them with childcare, families are freed up mentally and emotionally, right? Their child is safe and in a good place. I can go work, I can go back to school, I can do these things and eventually get out of poverty. But what I was seeing is that a lot of families were having multiple children, right? Go through this program. Mm. And I wasn't seeing them the come out of poverty, <laughs> right? And I'm just like, what is going on? But then I would look at my coworkers and I would look at, you know, administration and how they responded to these families. Mm. You know, like as if they were, you know, less than you know, or mm. as if they were unreachable, mm. you know. Explain that, like, was that like so, talk around the cooler or something? Yeah, well, it would be just more so a lack of, you know, attempt to even build a relationship with these families mm. so that you could influence them, right. right? So you can provide a service, and great, the service is needed, affordable childcare is needed. Um, but at the same time, if we are working with a population that has already been dealing with poverty, trauma, um, uh, low income, all of these things that, you know, low food security, sure. all yeah, of those yeah. things, right, that come with it, yeah, just providing childcare isn't enough. And not that mm -hmm. any one organization can do it all, sure. but there needs to be an intentional uh, mm -hmm. responsibility on those who are providing a service to also get to know these families mm -hmm. that they're serving. So did that end up like transitioning you out of working with these kids at some yeah. point? Yeah, mm -hmm. and so my focus became for advocating for families, oh, right? Cool. So parents and children, right? So yeah. So in your line yeah, of work, so specifically, I guess just to clarify, what is it you're doing right now? Like where, what, and then um, in that line of work, what are you learning about mm -hmm. teenagers, high schoolers, middle schoolers, yeah, Gen Zers, uh, Gen Zers in that line of work? Yeah. Like what are you seeing? So right now, um, my main job is I work for First Things First, which is the state's agency for early childhood development and health. So we mostly focus on advocating and providing um, strategies and services that help support families who have children ages birth to five. So that's so the how early do education. Like get involved with this program. Like, yeah, firstthingsfirst.org. You know, um, okay. go sign up. There's resources. Everything that First Things First funds is at no cost to parents wow. and so they there's access so to resources can just go on that website and like fill out an application or something or what well so there's not an application fill out on our website what we do is we have grantees right okay. so uh, first things first um, funds programs okay. right across the state so there's family resource centers uh, families can go to these family resource centers and they can get help with um, food, they can get help with clothing, they can get help wow. with parenting, parent education, they can get help with understanding child development, getting their kids ready for kindergarten. Mm. So each family resource center uh, tailors its services based on the community that's around it and based wow, on what cool. the needs of the families are. So, but you can go on the site, go to find your region, type in your address or zip code and you can find out which family, um, find the family guide Man, and then great. from there find out which resources are in your area that are available to you wow. at no cost. Right? No hey, cost. If it's free, it's for me. <laughs> right. So um, but so that's one area. So I'm advocating, right, that if we invest in those first five years, then mm -hmm. we don't need as many interventions later on. Why do you say mm -hmm. that? Right. Well, because if families have the tools and the support that they need, right, to prepare their children, not just for school, but for life, then there's less likely that children will need interventions later. So juvenile, mm -hmm. um, remedial, mm -hmm. um, you know, any other interventions that you might think might happen, you know, if even with early detection, right, detecting early that a child might have a developmental delay, mm. right, we do developmental screenings are offered at a lot of our family resource centers. So, right, if the sooner you start to work on an, an, um, an issue, right, that's identified in an infant versus when they're five, six, seven, right, like autism or um, any other type of delay that might um, a child might have, the sooner you detect that delay, the, the better odds are for that child in the end, right? Wow. As far as the outcomes, because you're starting to mitigate early, mm. you know, so. That's great. Yeah, so that's, so if, but if we invest in those first five years, then our, you know, our projection is that we won't have to invest so much later on down the line, which those interventions cost more. Wow. You know. Right. Early interventions actually yeah. cheaper. Wow. Right. 
So that's that's one part of what I do. Um, I'm a community outreach coordinator for First Things First, and my goal is to just create what I say, early childhood disciples. So sharing, like coming on a podcast, right? Coming on the about podcast, what you're doing. right? Telling everybody, <laughs> like, there's a message to be shared when it comes to the first five years. Yeah, people right? need to hear this. People need to know that parents are their child's first teacher. We need to be equipping mm-hmm. and empowering parents to be their child's first teacher. If you ask Is a that parent, what you guys do at yes, the organization. Yes. So if you ask a parent. Um, and I've done this many of times at events, who's a child's first teacher, they will say kindergarten, right? Wow. But what are the implications of that, right? It's if a not parent, my responsibility. Exactly. If a parent actually thinks that the kindergarten teacher is their child's first teacher, that means that the, the experiences that this child has before kindergarten are probably not quality experiences, you know, where they're learning, they're able to explore, they're, you know, um, their development is probably being stunted mm-hmm. in those first five mm-hmm. years rather than catapulted. And so um, mm. that's... Um, and and so I think that's a lot that, of parents that messaging. feel like they're not an expert. You know what I mean? When right. it comes to teaching their kids stuff, they feel like, man, like I really should leave that to the experts. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, there is a don't way. Want to mess something up for them, teach them a particular way. I had my kids are are younger now; they're getting older. But when I still feel like the memory of when we put them into school is fresh, because mm-hmm. we we have a daughter right now that's about to enter into kindergarten. But yeah, there is that anxiety on us as parents, like, oh, they're doing math different these days, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to interfere with some of that, but there were some basic things, you know, like reading a book. You're saying like that, That's exactly, that. you don't have to be an expert. Talk, read, sing, and play with okay. your child. That's it. So that's it. basically right. what you're talking And you're about. preparing them, you know, for kindergarten, but you have parents who don't want to read, right? Mm. Or not even don't want to either might not know how to, right? They were never read yeah. to, so they don't see the value in reading, right? So it's just uh, educating the parents. The parents just mm-hmm. need to be educated, right? Talking, having a conversation. You know, there are parents who mm. who, who feel like talking to their infant wow. is pointless, yeah. right? Because yeah. the infant doesn't understand. It's like, oh no, but they do. Mm. You know, their brain, every time they hear your voice, they hear tone, they hear inflection, mm. they are, their neurons, right, are being created and their brain is, just growing it's wiring itself it's, so simple and so stuff. simple it's not things this big thing no you don't have to be, be an expert things. and nobody expects a parent to be an expert that's why yeah, you don't true. go home with a manual yeah, parents, right <laughs> parents, parents need to hear that more yeah though, you know it's like hey definitely having a conversation or just reading mm-hmm. a book or mm-hmm. coloring together yes you know Yes. Listening to some Tupac, son. This is the first song I have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only God can judge you, son. Right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, right. I see so, that. Yeah, so, but, so teaching is simpler than Yeah, it is simpler. Think. And it's about your presence mm. in their lives. Um, you mean just being around? Just being around, right? Proximity even t- deters negative behaviors, mm. right? Um, you, you being in the same room with your child automatically... Mm. Changes the dynamic. Changes the dynamic, right? Whether or not, am I going to climb up on this counter while dad's standing here? No. Turn around looking at dad. Right, like right, right. Should I or shouldn't <laughs> I, right? Proximity, you know, but not just proximity, you know, emotional presence, right? Yes. And we know that parents are under a lot of stress, right? Um, mm. and, and so it makes it challenging, right, to be emotionally present for your children. But those things matter in those first five years so that when they're 15, mm-hmm. right, you guys are have already established a relationship Mm-hmm. Um, of positive interactions. You've already established a history of being there for your child. And so when they're 15 and they're going through some things, mm-hmm. they're more likely to come for you. Parents are still the number one influence of their children. Yeah, and we, you know, people will try to say, oh, no, their peers are. But no, parents mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. And well, parents, yeah. right, parents relinquish that influence True. a lot, you know, to schools, to the church, mm-hmm. to, the, to their peers, to culture, right? Yeah. But ultimately, your children are you. Yeah. You know, and so um, in helping teens, this is what I've learned in helping teens with with finding fidelity. Right. And and, and, and being true mm-hmm. to who they are. Right. It comes from having consistent parents who've had consistent yes. expectations, who have been consistent in following through with consequences, who mm-hmm. have been consistent in being there, yeah. listening. Right. Um, making it OK to make mistakes. Right. Yeah. And allowing children to be vulnerable and not shaming. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, those actually help you know those teens who are going through that identity formation to actually be true to who they really are to who their parents have indeed cultivated and raised them to be right Mm -hmm. 
rather than being tossed to and fro by the waves of culture because culture changes what's popping what's popping today won't be popping tomorrow right yeah, that's true. Um, what's in today's headlines won't be in tomorrow's headlines you know so and 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 kids are looking at these things and they're looking at their friends and they're trying to determine who they are and mm. and very well your friends have a lot to do with your identity but we have this this so untrue saying right that you're keeping it 100 right mm. or i'm this is just me but nothing about your identity is just you mm. you have always been shaped and formed by other people experiences other yeah. right and and so nothing is just you 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 mm. know what i mean you came in culmination your culmination of all these things that you've experienced that you've um the people who you've interacted with it changes you and they actually say like when they um do like a brain scan um while you're having a conversation the human interaction is uh lights up the brain even more like in more areas of the brain just having a one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. conversation hmm. more so than we any other yeah we we learn better with human interaction and so wow. the human interaction actually changes the brain more than our wow. interactions with like the screens or technology mm -hmm. you know in that regard and so when you consider that right and now there's that saying that, you know, even with addiction, right? Connection is the opposite of addiction. We know yeah, that we need is what we need in yes. order to solve addiction problems, right? They're right. Coming out doing the research wow. and mm -hmm. finding out that's the that's the case. The addiction is solved in community. What is it? How so like when you have those relationships with other people and you're in community being held accountable and different things of that nature. Mm -hmm. You're just I more think, satisfied. I guess so. Like, or like speak into that a little bit. Yeah. So with that, right, having those those human interactions those positive human interactions mm. right to okay. combat any negative interaction you've had prior that's true because you're you in know. the wrong community right yeah so it needs to be you know a positive a community one, yeah. a good community i've um, seen that before with people though you know it's like that loyalty thing and keeping it 100 loyalty can end up killing you yeah right because mm -hmm. people are like yo that's my family that's my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I rocks with them. Like, that's where I grew up. Mm -hmm. But like you were saying earlier, like, sometimes you got to cut people out, right? Yeah. yeah. Because I mean, there's a there's a conflicting of values that we all hold community. within us, right? So I can, you know, I can say that I value this thing, but then there's an action or word that I might speak that actually shows that I don't actually value that thing. Mm -hmm. And so... So when it comes to community and, and helping with addictions or any other um, combating adverse experiences, it's in that this is the richest form of mm. communication that you can have as mm. a human being. We mm. were, you know, created to be in relationship. You know, so weird right? about that, like people feel guilty about it. Yes. Like I feel guilty now that I got good friends. Mm. Like I got, I feel guilty now that people love me because my brain has been wired right. that I should take abuse. My brain mm -hmm. has been wired that I should be treated like garbage. Yes. Mm -hmm. So if I'm in a situation where people are good to me, mm -hmm. where I'm being treated right, like a, a sign of trauma could literally be mm -hmm. something is wrong with you because you think that feeling okay or being blessed is wrong. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Definitely. Yeah. And that's so true. I, you know, right now I have a single mom and her four kids living with me and she's been struggling with that very thing. Mm. Right. Um, what what I have been blessed to be able to do in my home with her has like shifted, uh, you know, in her mind. She's like, because she's so used to help looking one kind of way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Help means that you want something in return, wow. right? Help means that um, I'm subjected to whatever you decide to throw it at me because I need your help, right? But that hasn't been her experience with me. But even while she's been with me, she's still been going out, like, seeking help in other ways because that's what she's used to. And then she, you know, she'll come back and she'll be like, yeah, I'm learning, you know, that, yeah, because I have no expectation, you know, of anything that I've given her or her children that she would return it. She can't. She can't pay me back what I love, right? You know, um, oh, no one, nothing except in love, right? So she, the, I don't have an expectation, right? Um in that regard, but that's what she's used to, right? She's used to the it coming with a condition, help coming with a condition. And so, yeah, it can very much cause even anxiety, right? Considering the goodness that is in this world, right? Because we have been, it's everything else has been normalized, right? Mm -hmm. The bad has been normalized. Wow. So like the very situation that a person could be in that is good for them, mm -hmm. they could they'll fight sabotage yes. their way out of it mm -hmm. Yeah, because they feel like being dunked on is what, what should happen mm -hmm. wow. yeah. and this is normal right like something's wrong like who's 
And that's Why crazy. Is no one messing with me right. right now? I feel every yeah. bit of that. It's familiarity, right? It's just, it's just you got mm. comfortable in an icky situation. It's like rolling in the mud and being okay with rolling in the mud. And then you get cleaned off and you're like, wait, I'm not dirty anymore. I need to go get dirty again. Wow. Do you know what I mean? And so yeah. it's just like, um, mm. that's just, but that's not who we are. Mm. Yeah. And it's not okay to be hurt, you know, and trauma does a lot to the brain. Um, and, and so it does take a community, right? That mm. is intentional in, in building relationships That's and true. maintaining relationships and being, it does take a community. Mm. Teens need community all day, every day. Mm. Like, um, the, is that what you're seeing with Gen Zers right now? If you yes. were to say like, what are one or two things that you're seeing with the teenagers that you're working with? Um, I would say what I'm seeing is that they they need their parents, both mom and dad, if possible, right? Like Don't, just for what? Just to be there to, to have be there to like to to learn from, right? To 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 go to to confide in. Um, they need their mom mm. and their dad, mm -hmm. right? Because that's their identity, you know. Essentially, that's the the foundation of their identity is who their parents are, mm. right? Um, like you were saying earlier about keeping it one hundred, right? Realizing how much they're influencing you, right? In exactly. Wow. And so, and, and figuring out who they are even apart from their parents. They need both parents in mm. their lives, right? Mm. Because I realize that there's parts of my parents' identity that I did not want to be a part of mine, mm -hmm. right? That and makes so, sense, yeah. You know what I mean? So, but I still needed to have both of them there for me to see that, mm -hmm. right? And, That's and, a good point. Right, you know? Um, in order to make a decision not to perpetuate that. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? In yeah. order to be intentional about how I was going to live my life as an individual, right? Um, so parents need to be present. Yeah, parents mm. need to be present, period. Um, mm. You know, I my other job is that I, I monitor visits with non-custodial parents. Mm. And what's shocking to me is that a lot of the clients are, are women. So most mm. of these women are apart from their children. And that just seems odd to me, right? Um, <laughs> you know, because we've always heard, right, in court cases, they always go to the mom. The yep. kids always go to mom. And so, but what I'm seeing, whether it's the mom or the dad who has custody of the child, there's an intentional undermining of the other parent. Mm. There's an intentional attack at that parent's character. There's an intentional attack at that parent's authority as parent mm. in the child's life. And that can't happen. What right? do you see that that does to the teenagers or the kids <laughs> in the situation? Yeah, what it does to them is it creates a... a uh, a secondary personality almost right what do kids you mean? start to they're one way with mom they're one way with dad mm. so how can you be uh, wow. how can you have integrity within yourself if you can't even be the same person no matter where you are wow do you know what I mean and so within the kids mind right they they start to be different people right I'm this way with mom I'm this way with dad that's what they learn I can't be 100% me I can't be integral in in my identity Mm -hmm. So I can't have fidelity in my identity because I'm being forced to be two different people because, mm -hmm. you know, of this situation. And divorce wow. happens. This is not to shame parents for getting a divorce, but it's more... It should be conscientious. It's just so. conscious of what, what, what that's going to cost. What's what, they need, cost. what they need to do to help their kid out. Yeah. I've never heard anyone say that. Yeah. And, that's cool. And, and, it, yeah. And, and it does. It, so it's, it's not that. It's, it's They learn how to manipulate. Right. Wow. They, these yeah, maladaptive yeah. behaviors start to surface. Right. Mm. Um, when both parents aren't present. And, you know, I don't care if dad is in jail or mom's in jail. There still needs to be some contact with that parent. Do you see what I'm saying? Like you can protect your child from an abusive parent and definitely do that. Set boundaries that are healthy for your child if the other parent indeed is not healthy. But that's not generally what I'm seeing. I'm seeing sure. a lot of just pettiness. Mm. Right. I'm seeing, you know, that's not generally what I'm seeing, that this parent is completely unsafe and I'm protecting my child from that other mm. parent. I'm seeing I want to control the situation. I, I want, want to hurt you. I want to hurt you my through my child. Yes. And so that's, that's the unfortunate part. But for teenagers, that's hard. And they know it, too. Yes. I can't tell you how many times I've talked with teenagers. I remember having this conversation with a teenager on campus and she was like, I just read some emails. And both of my parents are fighting about who's going to have me because they want the money mm -hmm. that comes with mm -hmm. me living in a home. And so neither of my parents want me. They just want the check that's associated with me living mm -hmm. in the house. Yeah. And so I can't I imagine feeling that way. Mm -hmm. I recently saw one of those memes um, on social media recently, and it was the 
picture from the Monsters movie. Mm-hmm. You know where the guy comes and he robs a little girl out from under her bed, bed. or whatever, uh-huh. and he's running off with her. Mm-hmm. And in this one scene, it's like the villain who's trying to chase the monster because he's trying to to save her, right? And uh, it, in in the caption, it showed that scene, and then it said how something to the effect of like how teenagers wish their parents were on the weekends. And what it was implying was like how this monster was coming to take this little girl because he wanted her. Mm-hmm. The reality is is that the parent who has the kid on the weekend never is treating their kid that way. It's mm-hmm. a bummer that they have to come pick him up because now they've lost their weekend. Mm-hmm. And this was on a, a group that I'm in, a Gen Z group that I'm in, and almost thousands of kids were like, yeah, my parents hate it that they have to deal with me on the weekends. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like... Where have we gotten as a society, man? Yeah. With this stuff. It's crazy how we just use divorce or these things and we don't even consider what's happening to the kids. Right. Because the kids are a byproduct of, you know, a relationship. Right. And Mm. and, and so what I found is, is that kids might have been intentional in that relationship or not. Right. Mm. Um, And so from that, though, but when that relationship gets severed, right, then that parent, you know, or both parents are now having to deal with that loss, that separation, right? I love this person and they no longer love me. I love this person and they cheated on me or whatever the case is. Yeah. And, and 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 without a that doubt, hurt. the children are going to, ex- you know, experience that, that mm. pain, right? And yeah. however that parent decides to play out that pain um, in their lives. And so it's just being mindful, being mindful. That's what I would tell the parents is do your work, right? And being mindful of of your own hurt right and how you might be projecting that onto your children especially mm-hmm. your teens because teens are under a lot more pressure they're under global peer pressure now yeah you know whereas we <laughs> social you know, media yeah. right you know right you know bullies come home with them on their phones right so they're not able to get away from the overload right mm-hmm. in the world and so they're Man, that's so good yeah so just being mindful that um <laughs> sitting and talking with and, and intentionally having no screen time at home so that you're all having those conversations, family dinners, so have to sitting at the right, sitting at the table, having dinner. It, it's it's just that simple, mm-hmm. you know. It doesn't, you know, you don't have to go out and and get a degree in child development mm-hmm. or parenting, um, but you do need to be there. You know what I mean? So and so good. that that's what teens need. They need stable adults, and it doesn't. And that's the other thing, parents. It doesn't have to be just you, right? When mm-hmm. I said teens need community, they need other adults. Yeah. Right. Um, we call them influencers. Influencers. Yes. We were, when we first started doing our platform, we were folk because I think we feel the same way you did when you were talking about Head Start. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I'm working with the kids, but I realize these parents need help, too. Mm-hmm. And yep. so part of the reason why we created the platform is we understood the same thing that we've got to equip parents to give them insight as to what's going on. That's why you're here on this podcast. Yeah. And hopefully you parents hear this. And you're like, man, and if you want to reach out to us, private message us, look at our resources or whatever. But this is exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. You know? It is. You know, I had, I did a visit with this one mom and she's like four mm-hmm. foot nothing. Her son's like <laughs> six foot one, right? He's a teenager. I'm yeah. like, one, why do I need to monitor her with this kid? He could take right. her out <laughs> at any point, right? Where's right. the safety issue here? Mm. And the crazy thing is that with this particular um, situation, he didn't want to be with mom because dad lets him smoke weed and mom wow. mom doesn't mm-hmm. right so then that's the other thing right it's like trying to be the cool parent you don't right. have to be the, the cool parent you know? mm-hmm. trying to be the responsible parent yeah and he's like all right bet right i'm gonna go with dad then. Mm-hmm. yeah and Dang. so then you have this this mom right who is mm-hmm. now having to have you know supervised visits with her teenage son mm-hmm. <laughs> you know wow. who she poses no absolute threat to um but because of, you know, just the di- dynamics of that family, you yeah, know, and then sad. exploiting, right? The Which culture. Which is why I would say the uh, influencers are so important. Yeah. So having other people in you your child's speak life. into a situation right. like that. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing, bro? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You need to surround your children with as many positive influences as you can. Wow. Get to know their teachers. Get to know their youth workers. You know, so whatever. If they go to... Um, a boys and girls club. That's the other coaches, thing I noticed. Yeah, yeah, coaches, whoever, you know, um, there's a there's a there's a shift in communication period, right? So even as a professional, I've noticed that other professionals struggle with having a conversation with parents. Yeah. And I'm right. like, just talk to them. 
right? right? And don't just talk to them when their child does something bad, right? But it's the same for parents too. Talk to those who are with your kids. Don't you wanna know what's going on with your mm -hmm. child when you're not with them? You know, so developing those relationships, I think, mm -hmm. you know, because we have such a social, uh, a global and, and uh, social network, right? Social media um, and the whole world is connected through technology now, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it has diminished, you know, just this, this here because yeah. behind the screen I can say anything, right? Yeah. <laughs> Unapologetically. <laughs> but when I look at you, I have to consider yeah. your humanness, mm -hmm. right? That's so good. And I have to consider you and 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 so in that right i have to tailor how i talk to you i mm -hmm. should i should tailor how i talk mm -hmm. to you um it's almost like we create this one there's the three of us here with our own minds but as we speak together we develop one mind together yes. because we learn and we grow and we pluck things off that we shouldn't pluck off mm -hmm. earlier when you were here we had some of our conversations pretty candid off camera right but i remember you know just thinking like man it was probably only malicia that could have said that to me mm. you know what i mean yeah and that's like, wow, I could hear that. Right. You but know, that's through like, relationship. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't have said that yeah. having just met you. Yeah. You wouldn't have received anything from yeah, me having true. just met you. And that's the same, you know, as it goes. And that's like when I said when I had that's that such a great point. that revelation that I need to reach parents, it was mm -hmm. like I can't even talk to them about how their child was <laughs> if I don't have a relationship with them. Yeah. Don't know their names. I don't know their names. Anything about them. Anything about them. Yeah. So if you're working with children, talk to the parents. Yeah, if you're working she, with anybody's kids. Right. Yeah. You need to know them. Way. Right. And so um, what I realized even in, in Head Start was that once I started building relationships with these parents, I, today I still have a relationship with these parents. Um, That's so good. And they still send me pictures of their kids growing up. You know, I'm still <laughs> getting invited to birthday Man, parties. Do you know what cool. I mean? And, and so I still have influence in these kids' lives, you know. Yeah. Um, beyond this beyond, the job. Beyond that job, right? Mm -hmm. And so... Mm -hmm. So yes, if you're in the profession of working with children of any age, get to know the parents. Um, yeah. so don't yes. don't try to help the child but without like you helping said, the parents. You just, you just gave the caveat that's important for every influencer to understand. Mm -hmm. If you actually want to have the impact that you desire to have, you must go beyond the job. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right? You mm -hmm. just said it. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to be willing to go beyond those 40 hours a week. Yes. Mm -hmm. You've got to understand that you're giving your life. Yes. Right? You're pouring your life out for mm -hmm. the sake of uh, seeing transformation in these kids' lives and yes. seeing them mm -hmm. reconnecting with their parents and seeing them have positive, yeah. impactful influences uh, from you and from other adults around them, right? You've yeah. got to give more than your job mm -hmm. to those kids. Definitely, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, showing up, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Even in those situations, I've had parents call me, you know, after, like I'm no longer even employed, you know, mm -hmm. with that particular employer, you know, for job references, for cool. you know, can I can I can I use you for as a job reference? Can I mm. can you help me find a job? Can you help me, you know, and I'm no longer working with them in a professional capacity, <laughs> but because in that professional capacity Trust. I took the time yeah. to build relationship. I took the time to to meet them where they were. Mm. You know, that's a, mm -hmm. allowed me to continue to have a lifelong impact. You know what I mean? Even if I don't even speak to them, you know, af after a year or so. Yeah. I always I always end up getting a phone call or a text message, you know, um, just saying, hey, how are you? Or, hey, this is what we're doing. This is mm -hmm. what the kid is up to now. You know, so it goes beyond that. And that's our Absolutely. goal, right? Is that whatever impact we have, it's lifelong. Yeah. You know, um, I don't want to be yeah. temporary, you know, and I don't have to be in their life every yeah. day to have a lifelong impact. You know, we all can think about a teacher or a mentor exactly. or a yep. coach, right, who had a true impact on us that is still, still with us today, you. right? Yep. And so that's what we have to remember in those interactions. They might seem yep. minimal, to they us. might seem insignificant, might but it's life-changing, right, right mm -hmm. to that child and, and to that family ultimately. Yeah, That's good, man. Mm -hmm. All right, and as we wrap this thing up, as we always do, a little bit of Christian perspective. Um, man, there were so many good things that were said today in so many different areas going all yeah. over the place. It was rich. There's so yeah. much. And uh, I think about your life and I think about all of our lives and I think about the need that we all have for healing mm. and for restoration. And then not just to have healing and restoration for ourselves, but then to go out and grant that to other people, mm. to go out and mm. show other people where they can find that healing and where they can find that restoration. And ultimately, uh, 
the only place you can find it is in Christ, right? Yeah. yeah. It's the only place I found it, and I know that's true for yeah. us sitting at Amen. this table, right? Yeah. Amen. And I think about your life, I think about your story and the things that you've gone through, and it's like, man. Yeah. Like, God intervened in your life and is using yeah. it now to do incredible things, which is pretty stinking awesome. Oh, yeah. 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 Those moments, you know, of anchoring, feeling anchored mm. um, yeah, in the you midst of the storm, earlier, was that wondering. was definitely him. Um, even the day that I lost my son, you know, mm. I had an absolute experience with God. Mm -hmm. And because what I didn't tell you is that I had challenged him, right? I had pursued mm -hmm. this idea of family mm. because I wanted my own, right? Like I said, and I, I knew that family was key, right? But I didn't know how to go about creating a family, starting a family, building a family, right? Mm. And I pursued that over and above Christ, over mm. and above God. Even though I had already given my life to him, mm. um, I still pursued this ideal of family because mm -hmm. I saw the brokenness in families. And I saw that how families are the foundation of society, mm -hmm. right? What happens in your home doesn't stay in your home. Yeah. It bleeds out no, into society, yeah. right? No, I love and what you so, said earlier about keeping it 100. Like, you know, it's like that is I'll never forget that. I mean, you're a product of your family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing about you is 100% you. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, and so when I considered that, so I, you know, I challenged God and I had been told that I was infertile. I wouldn't be able to have kids. And I was like, mm. I'm going to have a baby whether you want me to. Or not. <laughs> and then he was like, all right, cool. You know, that's when I got pregnant with my son, mm. you know, and he came to me. And this is the, this is the, probably the hard thing the world has with God, but it is the comfort that I've received from him, right? So when my son died and when they took him out of my arms, I cried out to God, right? Having been rebellious this whole time, mm. cried mm. out to him. What do you mean, like in prayer, like you were praying? Yeah, well, I was like, take me, not him, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I think all, every mother, right? That's their prayer. Um, but also like, you know, yeah, just in that moment, like, why? Mm -hmm. You know, um, and then he said, I give and I take away, right? And then the next word that came to my mind was sovereign, right? Mm -hmm. I had never submitted to the sovereignty of God before that moment. And in that moment, I had surrendered, right? I had incredible peace. Incredible peace. Uh, surrender is really the right word, but you were definitely brought under submission. My goodness. Yeah. yeah. But I had peace in the midst of the worst day of my life. Yeah. Right? Man. And and that is that is Christ. Life right? does that, doesn't it? Right. Life life will tell you that you deserve this. Go after this. Work for this. Mm -hmm. Right? Build your kingdom. But when you have received the truth of the gospel. You, yeah. yeah, your kingdom will fall. It's the fall. anchor that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, your kingdom will fall, right? Mm -hmm. And thank God that it did, you know, because now I see more mm -hmm. clearly family is what God is doing. Mm -hmm. That's what he's about. He's adopted us as sons and daughters. Why? Mm -hmm. So that we can have one father, right, who is present, right? And um, our identity is now in him, right? It's not, and because he's one, we're one, right? And our identity with him. And so... As he's right, but he's still dealing with humans, right? Who are yeah. still imperfect, who are still um, impacted and influenced by us. sin, right? Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. but so building this family, this kingdom is really a family, right? That he's building, and so there's there's relationship, there's um, there's hurt, there's pain still even within this community, but it's because we're learning, we're being refamilied, you know, mm -hmm. because the way the world had taught us that family was isn't what family was and so that's mm -hmm. why we have to come under the identity of a new that's why we have to be born into this family by the spirit right wow. because now he's teaching us no this is what a father is like and then we look at christ and says this is what a child is like right mm -hmm. mutual submission love outdoing one another and showing honor right um supporting what a husband one another. is like right this is what a husband is like he's a faithful lover right mm -hmm. we can look at god and see, you know, how faithful he is in being a father and being a husband. Um, I think that's being, often the hard yeah. part with religion, though, right? Like, early on in my religious experience, it was like, for me, being a Christian or being good was learning all the rules and doing mm -hmm. them. And so for me, it was like, when I tried to do that and I failed, mm -hmm. I understood that there was grace for me when I was trying, mm -hmm. but I didn't understand that there was grace for me when I was at rock bottom and just destroying my life. And, and, like, yeah. and what I came to realize, yeah. very similar to I think what you're saying, is like, 
there's grace for the victim, mm -hmm. but there's also grace for the perpetrator. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Definitely. And I felt like in my life, Dang. you know, I had reached that place where the reason all this is messed up right now is because of me. Mm-hmm. Not because of what someone else did to me, but right. because of me. Is there grace there for me? Right. You know, not I didn't mess this thing up. Mm -hmm. And I think that for me, that was the beauty of the gospel, really, good, like bro. you said, mm -hmm. anchoring me. Dang. The mm -hmm. anchor of the gospel for me was that the Lord... And it sounds very similar to your story. It was like, because like, like I was thinking when you said, like, I'm going to go have this baby. I'm going to show you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you yeah. Know? I mean, which one of us haven't said that in real talk? Right. Which one of us haven't told God, I'm going to do what I want? I'm going to do. Right. <laughs> Straight up. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do And this. God's like, okay. Mm -hmm. But a lot, what, times I, what happens a lot of times, I think, when people do that is the church goes, see, dummy, I told you not to. Mm. And they don't let you crash on the couch. They, you got to learn your lesson. Mm. Right. And so it's almost like, man, the gospel is there to help us in those mm -hmm. broken moments, even if you're the perpetrator, yeah, even if good, you're bro. the one yeah. who's responsible for this thing being oh, messed yeah. up. And oh, it's yeah. not an excuse mm -hmm. as a believer to not be there for people who need you to, mm -hmm. you need to crash on your couch. Right. That's grace. That's grace, right? You know? Yeah, because he that's what he's doing, right? Mm -hmm. He's letting us, he's preparing a place for us. Why? Mm -hmm. Because the world left us orphans. Wow. Right? And so... Dang, that's good. Our know, families left us our orphans. Our families left us orphans. And mm. and so with that, right, we need a father who is able to provide. We need um, mm. an example in Christ of what it looks like to live, you know, not for myself. Yeah. You know, um, but to live for the betterment of even my enemies. I mean, people will fail you. You know, right. And people will fail but you. But I will fail people too. Right. And that's the thing, right? Because there's... You know, yeah. there's a saying like, oh, if you get rid of all the evil people in the world, the world will be better. Well, then there's get no people. The people. <laughs> right. There's no one. You have to wow. I, you have to see that in you there is there's brokenness in mm. all of us, you know, born into sin, shaped in iniquity. Right. Whose iniquity? Well, the iniquity of our fathers before us. Right. That's what we were shaped in. And mm. but now we're being reshaped. We're being transformed by the power of Christ. And so mm. and his Holy Spirit. And so there's. There's help there, right, for the parent. There's help there for the teen, right? There's and help there for the family and encouragement. <laughs> you know, there's rest there. We can rest in the yeah. work that Christ has done as a parent. You wow. can rest there, right, that you don't have to be a perfect parent. As a professional, you can rest mm -hmm. there, that you don't have to be a, a kid's all-in-all, all, mm -hmm. right, and that you yeah, don't have yeah. to put their parent down to make yourself feel better about the work you're doing, hey, right, um, know. that you can appreciate the 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 child and you can appreciate the parent together mm. right you don't have to they're not separate causes they're not separate they they have to be together and um and then just yeah as a person you know you can rest in an identity right mm. that won't shake mm. right god's identity yeah. doesn't shake it doesn't waver back and forth regardless of what culture says or what culture does and so you have you have a foundation right that an anchor and an anchor yeah so I love that you yeah. said that earlier. It just stuck with me. Yeah, because what's the anchor's job, right? To keep mm -hmm. the ship, mm -hmm. right? In the in midst the of the storm. Hey, come keeps on Keeps the ship Preaching in, in here. Yeah, <laughs> not tossed to and fro. <laughs> yeah. I felt a dose Alicia. of the ghost just then. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I really no, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on and sharing what you did with us. Yeah. And sharing with our audience. It's not the easiest thing in the world to do. Yeah. No. And Hashtag uh, courage. <laughs> I'm hoping that that touches a lot of people. I know it will. Thank yeah, you. touch well, me. That's my Thank prayer. You for sharing that with us. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. All right. So, a heavy one today. RLTK PHX Real Talk Phoenix Podcast, episode 22 in the books. Double deuce. You will find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, RLTK PHX. Like I said, this is the beginning of the conversation, not the end. So, we want this to spur on the dialogue. So, we want to hear from you. We want to comment. Uh, we want to see comments and all those different types of things. We want to continue to engage and uh, grow together. Yeah. And so we love you guys. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.